me. Yeah, I told Taylor that I was like, oh, they're going to be doing it the way he put that necklace on or whatever. <laughs> like, there's too much connection here. Welcome to the What's Up, Birdie podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Heiner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in, watching live, watching after the fact, whenever you're watching or listening uh, later on down the road. Uh, go ahead, hit that like, subscribe, follow button. Uh, yeah, hit the bell notification button so you can be kept up on when we do all these lives. We're probably going to have even more coming down the pike soon but for this one uh we're reviewing the season one episode one of the house of the dragon um the prequel series to spin-off series however the hell you want to talk about it of game of thrones um yeah it should be interesting we'll be doing all the episodes this is episode one i'm not sure how many there are eight or ten i'm assuming i know there used to be ten of the game of thrones so we'll see I haven't looked into it, to be honest. I think this was a last-minute decision for us because I was so bitter about the end of Game of Thrones. That I just <laughs> yeah, JJ. Well, there, it was a really bad ending. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that, JJ. The reason being, one of my favorite directors at my company feels a lot like you do, that he is going to wait to watch this show until the reviews and sentiment comes out to see if the show has earned his trust back. You don't have that luxury because you're going to yeah. be one of those people <laughs> potentially building or dissuading trust. Yeah. Um, I, here's the thing. So I found these books years ago before they were ever an HBO blip. So George R. R. Martin, I read a couple of his books and comics and watched some of his TV when I was a young kid. They did a Beauty and the Beast TV show when I was really young that was placed in modern day New York, very odd show, but very good. And he wrote for that show. He's a fantastic writer. Um, and the game of Thrones books, the first five books are some of the best written books, in my opinion, out there, especially because they're brutal. They're real to life. There's not a hero, a villain per se. I mean, everybody does bad stuff and they live their life and it's medieval type stuff. So I really enjoy the writing. Now, when they made the show, I was actually – I didn't watch the first season until they were halfway through the second season because I was like, no, you can't turn this into a show. And then I had some friends that were like, dude, it's good, and it stuck with the books pretty well. So I watched the first season, and I was hooked because it did. It followed the canon very well. Now, I knew there was going to be issues when you get into the second and third book and especially the fourth and fifth book because – the timelines are very odd and the way he had to write them because they were so big. He writes everything in a POV perspective. So I knew it was going to be a little funky. So the first three seasons, first seasons, one of the best in television history, in my opinion, like it's brutal. It, it throws your expectations out the window. It does things that the book does that just shouldn't most TV shows and books and literature and things like that just don't do. So I was really excited by it. Enjoyed it. Second season was good. Third season was good. There were issues with them, but they were good enough. Fourth season was okay. Fifth season started to go downhill because, in my opinion, they got once they got past the books, they got past the canon that was written by George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin stopped. He used to write for the show early on. When they he stopped writing for the show, they got away from his uh, source material because they ran out of it. The show started going downhill, and then. Season six, I can even be 
okay with because it stuck enough to where you felt like the narrative might go that it made sense. Season seven, I was like, what in the world is going on? Though I forgave a lot of it because there were some really cool dragon scenes and some cool fight, like war battle scenes and some interesting things that were going on in the North. And there were some questions answered, things like that. Season eight, though, absolute dumpster fire. It was like, what the hell just happened? Because they made all these crazy things go on that they hadn't earned the right to do those yet. Now, I don't know if some of that stuff came from George R. R. Martin. I don't know because I don't keep up with it. I was so mad I, I quit dealing with it. But it did things that while I, it makes sense from the literature perspective, if it goes that way, they didn't do enough of it to make me believe it in the show. So there's the quick and dirty three-minute version of why this show series, in my opinion, ended terribly, especially season eight was horrible. Okay. So for, for our listeners, I should mention, I have not seen Game of Thrones. Yeah. I've seen her, seen her talked about it a lot, but I've never, and I probably will uh, go watch it now. But yeah, I'm, I definitely have a very outsider's opinion. Part of the reason I haven't watched it is because I've heard that it ended so poorly that I was like, well, <laughs> I don't want to watch it. But now I'm like, I probably should watch it at least the first, maybe one through five. Yeah, I think, and I think you could read do the that. books. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I like. I'm a huge reader, so I was like, maybe because I need a new book to read. I was like, I probably should just start with that. Yeah, I think you should read the books. The books are phenomenal. Yeah, unreal good. And and so I would start with the books, and then if you want to watch, watch the first three seasons, and then if you're okay, watch four and five. But I would skip six, seven, and eight. It doesn't add any value to Mm -hmm. what you know from the books, and it. Yeah, by the time you finish the books, maybe the old bugger will have finished. The last one, the next one, or the last two. I don't know. Hopefully, he does it before he kicks the bucket. We'll see. He's not um, that. He's he's uh, rolling in the dough right now. I know, right? Uh, anyway, so let's talk House of the Dragon. We've talked the lead up to it. Um, I will say, I knew going in. I think I don't know for sure, but I assumed based on the fact that we had younger versions of Rhaenyra, and we had younger versions. Um, oh God, I'm going to forget her name. Her what looks like her handmaid, but it's uh, Allison. Allison. That's right. Allison. So we had younger versions of them um, based on the source material, fire and blood. You do get introduced to the younger versions of them, but the main story of the dance with dragons, which is where we're headed. Uh, the Targaryen civil war, they're adults. Um, so I think we'll have a time jump in part two, but for the setup episode, I think it did an okay job. It introduced you to the main players. You have Rhaenys, the the queen that don't, that never was. You have her her niece Rhaenyra, who is now the heir at the end of this episode. Uh, you got Damon, which is a, a big piece of this story and lead up. You have uh, King Aerys, which is another big piece. So, I mean, it's or Viserys rather, and so you have all of these pieces that are there. They introduced you. Um. Yeah, even Kristen Cole, you're introduced to. So, uh, but it was a setup episode. I mean, there's not anything that's outrageous that happened. Um, which but it did a really good job in setting up and getting back to like the core roots yeah. of Game of Thrones, but also George R. R.'s writing, yeah. where there's no really one clear guy to root for. <laughs> they all have good and bad mixed in them. Uh, you have just absolute brutality right off the bat. 
and you know even 170 years prior they're still playing the game of thrones yeah and in the game of thrones you either win or you die yeah um, no yeah. i agree i it, it's a great setup episode i think the only thing i would have liked is that holy shit moment that they had because like at the end of the well i don't want to ruin it for those for mattson because you haven't seen it but there's a huge holy shit moment at the end of the first episode of game of thrones the very first episode like you go whoa this is the show i'm watching and and so they didn't have that in this i think that mostly was like the gold cloaks chopping up mm-hmm. half of king's well Landing just pointing rapist <laughs> murderer yeah, 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 yeah. thief and just <laughs> cutting off whatever they wanted to yep mm-hmm. yep yep um, yeah, you know, I like I like what you. I was gonna ask Alec, what do you mean by core Game of Thrones? But then you explained it, and I yeah, I think what I'm enjoying about this so far is what's already been said that there's no clear like person I'm like oh I like. Or, I mean, I I definitely know who I like so far. I'm I'm really interested in Matt Smith's character, Damien. Uh, I just quite enjoy the the shiz he's gonna stir up, and mm-hmm. uh, I can understand some of his motivations. But the uh, is it the the um the king's hand what's that character's name is it viserys auto hightower so that's right yeah yeah auto that's right the hightower i like that his little i'm assuming when he sent his what i believe is his daughter to go mm-hmm. comfort the king that what he was hoping is i, I don't know this is where my mind my was just dirty where the king was gonna do his dirty with her and he, he was going to pregnant her and then the heir would come from her um was where my mind was going because that seemed like a shady but smart thing to do oh yeah he's definitely pimping her out yeah, yeah. playing the game no. of thrones yeah he, he yeah he's playing the game of thrones and I, yeah again I, I know a lot of like the basics of how this story goes and so i don't want to ruin it for you so did did they do it then i'm assuming no they, no no, well, no they don't for what we've seen so far yeah. but he so I will give you this because I don't know that they're going to show it too much in the because I really feel like the next episode there's going to be a time jump to where we get the older versions of these characters and we get into the core of how the Dance of Dragons really gets begun um, and how that that those machinations start to show. But I will say this about it: Alicent becomes very close to King Viserys in that she's she reads to him a lot. They become friends when and. One thing to keep in mind is when you're reading the book version of this, Rhaenyra is only eight years old when she's named the heir. Mm. So they've changed it to where they're 15 right now. So that because obviously and Allison is the same or around the same age as Rhaenyra. So she would be eight or nine years old and she becomes like a second daughter to the king in the book. Mm. In this, they're kind of leaning more towards, but they do a lot of book reading together. She is there. She comforts him during the fact that he lost his wife and his his most recent son. So, but is but a Hightower is not stupid. He sent him there knowing, like Damon tells the king later on, you're weak. They know it. They're manipulating you, and this is one way that he does it. They become friends. Eventually, that blossoms into more than friendship, but it does take a little bit of time. It's not like he just she just goes and hops in King Viserys' bed. Mm. So. Okay, makes sense. Um, what else did I want to? I mean, I think I want to talk about visually. I think the show looked pretty good. I I quite like the the scenery. I even think the the CGI dragon. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be incredible, but it wasn't bad. And compared to speaking to some of the other dragons I've seen and some of the clips I've seen, uh, but I'm I'm quite 
intrigued by the the world building that they've presented in certainly the brutality um i've read a lot of medieval books um from some other authors and that scene i can't remember what they call it they have the the jousting they have the like the mono a mono combat that, but then they usually have like a team one where knights will fight other knights in like a team yeah, setting melee. yeah the melee and they showed up. i was like oh man like these people are not holding back and um just the brutality of of kind of this world look is pretty intriguing to me yeah for sure oh what i loved was and jj you could probably relate to this more so than matson but revisiting the houses mm-hmm. right you have a uh, house high tower and you know you get to see the baratheon stag yeah um you know they they suck at jousting apparently go figure <laughs> um and then like even you get uh uh one of the starks you get yeah, Lord rick Stark. on yeah, you get Lord Stark showing up to pledge fealty. Um, so that was the probably one of the coolest parts for me because you get to kind of see these houses that we know, different characters, obviously. Um, but we still get the house, and it's kind of just a nice little tie-in that I, I personally really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I'm with you. That. The other thing that I love, too, is when you talk about those houses, is it introduce you to some houses that by the time we get to – game of the throne so 172 years later in that area 170 years later they're not major houses anymore like high tower is still there but they're not hand of the king you know what i mean it's not like you see the high towers everywhere um you also saw early on heron hall it where the that first introduction piece the the one that was being built around the king sitting there and they have the big council to decide who the next heir is before they decide on Viserys, the old king sitting there. Harrenhal, by the time we see it in Game of Thrones, is destroyed. It's a ruin. Um, it's a ruin because another during one of these, because there's no, this isn't the only civil war that the Targaryens have. So during one of these big ones, they come through and it just gets dis- destroyed, basically. And it becomes a cursed, considered a cursed castle. So it was really cool to see Harrenhal being built. Um, and being able to look at, you know, here's the, the, this house that is basically wiped off the map, like the house itself, there's nobody left of the house that built Heron Hall. So it's very interesting to see some of these houses that, you know, you don't see very much in the versions that we've seen. So going in the past, like the Valerian house as well. So like the, the guy that married, uh, Rainies that was married to Rainies, who was the queen that, and I cannot think of his name for some stinking reason. Um, gosh dang it, or with a C or something, right? Yeah, I think so. There's so many that I was trying Cole to keep track of. Calling that, yeah, Kristen Cole becomes the commander, Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Um, why can I not think anyway? It doesn't necessarily matter. Um, but he this guy he's like the sea snake is what they call him and he his house is like banished like they don't even you don't see them they're on the seafaring folk and they do all these things that aren't part of the game of thrones world that we're in in game of thrones so i love that aspect of it getting introduced to some of these other houses and hopefully we'll get to see some of the ways that they fall um one thing that you don't see yet is the lannisters now they do come in at certain points later on in the dance with dragon but right now they're not, you haven't seen a single Lannister and you only saw like a glimpse of, like you say, the Starks and the, the, uh, 
Baratheons. And so there's a lot of families that aren't at the center of this story that I'm excited to see about or not have part of it too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job of kind of planting the seeds of these future feuds, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know Robert Baratheon is the guy who uh, leads the rebellion against the Targaryens in the Song of Ice and Fire. Mm -hmm. um and you know there there's all reasons for that and everything like that but you kind of get these little seeds that are planted here and here and we might see you know the break between the high towers and the targaryens come because damon just going ham on that family just to mess with poor old otto hightower yep. um and so all these different insults are planting these seeds and we're gonna uh, hopefully hopefully we're gonna kind of see how these wedges are formed um, to kind of change this landscape into what we kind of know as uh, the Game of Thrones and the Son of Ice and Fire. Yeah. So I have a question. So what's do we know what the end goal of House of the Dragon is? Like, is this supposed to bring us right up until Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones? Or does I anyone... hope not. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is it's it's going to lead, I think the House of the Dragon titled show will lead to up to the start of the dance of dragons, which is the, the civil war. Um, and then I think if I understand right, and I could be wrong, it's either going to lead us up to that point, And then they're going to have a newly named show that will be the dance of dragons. And it'll show the, the Targaryen civil war, that first civil war between the greens and the blacks, which is what we're leading to. Um, either that, or I'm assuming that it'll take us through the dance with dragons between the greens and blacks. Okay. So, so depending on how they do that, House of the Dragon could either be many multiple seasons or a few and then change the name. Yeah. And I think they've learned, I hope they've learned from the original Game of Thrones series that these are better in chunks. Uh, and that's my opinion. I think if they were to do like three seasons, because there's enough content that you can build up and manipulate from these the the Fire and Blood book to get us from where we're at now because they skipped a big chunk of the introduced introduction of the old king choosing having this problem with his heirs right so there's mm-hmm. this there's a whole chunk of that book we got that in like 10 minutes or five minutes of this explanation mm-hmm. and then we got the rest of this episode that was them as children the the heirs as children or him trying to have another heir and then moving into here we've announced that Rhaenyra is now the heir. How does that then lead to problems? And then there's like 10 years of peace where Viserys is still king, but there's these underlying machinations of Rhaenyra is the, the, the heir, but he's taken another wife. There's other kids involved. So now there's more people that could have a claim to the throne. And how does that play out when Viserys is no longer here? So I think that's where that time jump will be in. And I think the rest of the season, you're going to see that set up and possibly, but I think you could have a whole season of getting up to the point that in my opinion, I would not be surprised if this season it ends with Viserys dying. And then you have the, what do we do now? Right. Because then it's a matter of who takes what. So, but I mean, while that story's been told before and other things, like I, the characters that I've been introduced to on the path, I, right now, I mean, as of episode one, I'm certainly intrigued to, to watch and continue down that journey. And we haven't oh. even mentioned, I think, it, is it uh, Valerian? Coolest hair in this whole world, like 
dope, dope hair. Awesome. Yeah. Are you talking his dreads? Yeah, dude. White dread. Like, dude looks awesome. Why can I not think of this dude's name? It's killing me. Um. Oh my gosh. That that actor's name. Well, the character and the actor. Um. Oh not gosh. the guy that the I'm character. talking about is what we're saying. Or the you're talking person. about the the dude with dreads, right? Yeah. With the white dreads. Yeah. So his name, the actor's name, is Steve Toussaint. Mm-hmm. And he's playing Lord Corliss Valerian. That's yeah. and so yeah. Dope hair. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so he's the only one. That's one beef that I have with this show is, look, you just had years to prepare for the fact that you couldn't pull off a good platinum blonde wing wig in the first set of the show. You didn't learn anything from the Game of Thrones? Because come on, I'm not going to lie. Matt Smith's was manageable. Everybody else's that needed hmm. a wig for that hair color was bad. Oh was yeah. Like, oh no. I mean, why? Even so why is that a thing? Or, I don't. Like, well, because that's the, the Targaryen lore. lore. Like they're ninety percent of the Targaryens aboard with platinum blonde hair, almost and white purple hair, eyes. and purple eyes. So now they do when they start mixing. Then there's no the purple eyes one of the first things to go and then typically based on some lore in the book certain houses that have dark hair like the baratheon hair it was always black and it overrode anybody Tar- else yeah anybody else so the targaryen white didn't push through the baratheon black hair so that's why the house all of these people have white platinum blonde hair as far as the targaryens a whole lot of incest going on yeah, they With married them, their yeah. brothers and sisters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, brothers. Well, I mean, Aegon the Conqueror married both his sisters at the same time. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of how that went. But Yeah, I've um, already had to prepare Taylor. I'm like, just so you know, we're, we're going to see some bloodlines get even stronger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's some of that coming too in this particular storyline. So, And they hinted at it in the first episode. I mean, you see there's a weird connection between Damon and Rhaenyra even though for them it's not weird it, it it's a family thing that Targaryens it's very common for family I mean yeah I told Taylor that I was like oh they're gonna be doing it the way he put that necklace on or whatever <laughs> like there's too much connection here yeah 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 no yeah it's absolutely probably gonna be a thing so um does Game of Thrones have like half the actors written in that they have like a stand-in like nude character sometimes or they can only show so much of their body I think because I know some actors in like actual cinema definitely have that oh yeah I mean look Game of Thrones does not shy away from nudity at all yeah in fact this this series they told said they were gonna like tame it down as far as the sex and nudity and this episode, they were, that was real. I mean, it was very yeah. much less Came than what down. You, yeah. Cause game of Thrones, like pretty sure there was like three penises in the first 10 minutes of the show. Like it's Matt's I mean, it, having so much regret saying he's yeah, going to watch yeah, game exactly. of Thrones. Does not he care. Like, I'm like, I don't care about there CJ is dicks. full frontal nudity from all aspects uh, in, in that <laughs> show throughout all six seasons, eight seasons. So, but yes, the the sex, the violence, it it is all wild and free in Game of Thrones, and you'll see it. I don't think they're going to shy away from it, even in this, even though they're going to back away from it, is what they said a little bit. So, um, I do have one other thing that I want to bring up at least, and that is that, and I've done some research on it because I it really pissed me off when I was watching it, and Alec and I we kind of texted about it when 
when Viserys is talking to Rhaenyra there at the end and they're in front of the the skull of Balerion the Black Dread, which I thought was really cool that it was only partially. Because uh, the last time we saw it was in Game of Thrones 172 years and it was all bone. It was completely decomposed. But it wasn't that long ago that Balerion died where we're at in this show. So you can see that it's just decomposing as opposed to just being a skull. I thought that was cool. But when he talks about Aegon the conqueror having a dream and it's about the game of thrones what we know right the the north uh coming the winter the long winter and you white know the walkers. the white walkers all that shit coming and, and destroying the the world of men like i'm actually okay i was okay with the dream because that came from george r, r. martin they talked about the fact that when they were prepping for this show that he talked about now it's not in any of the literature it's not in any of the source material that he was a dreamer but he mentioned that Aegon was a dreamer. It's a common thing in the in the Targaryen line that they have these dreams of the future. What I didn't love was that he called that he said that Aegon called it the the Song of Ice and Fire because that's the name of the book series overall together that George R. R. Martin wrote for the original five, six, seven, eight books that we're going to get is the Song of Ice and Fire, and that was always explained that it's because a Targaryen and a start. And, a Stark had a kid and possibly he's the way that, or she's the way that or a combination of the two, as we saw in the show. So I just don't love that. They named it that if they had just said he had a dream and here's this little piece that you need to know about as queen, I probably would have been more okay with it, but that tie into the original show, just let it go because it had no impact on me because now I know how that's that piece of their show ends. It wasn't like this big, oh, God, I needed to know this thing anymore for me. It was really, you couldn't just say it was a dream and tie it that way? Because that makes sense. It doesn't make sense to use the name anyway. Well, it made me, me mad because they had the chance to tie the two shows together. And I didn't approve of the way that they did it, but, of course, nobody <laughs> asked me my opinion. Sure. But based on his dream, and sorry, Matt's in cover years if you don't want to hear this, uh, our Targaryen has to be oh, on the Iron yeah. Throw for the you know living to win and we already know that's not true so yeah. they they retcon their retcon and then they messed up their retcon yeah i was sitting there i was going why you don't need it it's a perfectly good chunk you know i would be perfectly happy if they spent zero effort in trying to tie it into yeah. son of ice and fire because it, i don't need it right yeah. it's it's the same world i know kind of the characters no kind of the story know where we're headed that's fine let's just talk about the targaryens yeah now madison from your perspective that probably meant nothing to you other than there was some sort of you know prophecy that yeah i didn't mind like because yeah. you tons of books like that there's always some stu- prophecy like lord of the rings gotta take it to the friggin <laughs> mordor and well, then you're just like well why didn't they just fly eagles there but here nor there um but yeah no i mean you expect something like that and i didn't mind that being introduced it's just you know that there's some you need something that carries um the story through with an underlying tone in a lot of these medieval style books and things like that i mean i think almost all of them have something like this so it it worked for me not gonna lie you bring up a good point and i think i would have been thinking about it from that perspective i would have been even more okay even if they called it the song of ice and fire if they hadn't said the targaryen piece that needs yeah, to be on the throne. Yeah. Everybody wants power in this, right? There, there's zero moral compasses. 
yeah one there's no kind of greater good or uh ultimate big bad as far as they're concerned everybody wants the iron throne they are they're just focused on themselves playing the game of thrones very few of them look past you know their own lifespan yeah which is something that really entertains me sure and then you know if you have this kind of you know story that's passed from uh ruler to heir why would you ever have a civil war just be like whoa time out uh there's got to be a targaryen on the throne because we're gonna have a long winter coming soon where the dead <laughs> are gonna walk and come after us so time out let's not fight yeah um, but so i was like you're trying to give them morals and the best part of this show in my opinion is that they don't have any um it's Fair. just it's just blood and more blood and let's get some guts in there yeah penises penises well that's there know. was a chopped off penis in this one so yeah. <laughs> taylor had a she was like did they just steal them and i was like well think about it. if we had a baby when we do a baby and someone and someone did that to our child later like are you gonna be okay with that and she's like yeah okay it's like, see if we if we could do that these days, it'd probably serve us better. So she's like, okay, all right, I'm fine that's with fair. it. That's fair. Um, one thing I'm interested in about this because one thing that's always intrigued me about Game of Thrones and the books is that it's loosely based on the War of Roses, which actually happened um, in medieval England. So I'm very curious because there were so, and it was always the back half of the War of Roses that the actual Game of Thrones books are based around now it's very loosely right but that some of those same intrigues family against family weird shit like that loosely but, uh no loosely. dragons <laughs> but in the books there are no no there could have been there, dragons in the books there's not dragons uh they they're in china okay yeah yeah <laughs> but in this one i'm very i mean intrigued too because this one would be the heart of one of these civil wars and so watching that whole thing play out is is kind of interesting to me because I always like it when you can tie it to something that's very similar to what was going on. So that whole Lancaster York Tudor fun stuff, fun stuff. So where are we going with this show, JJ? Where do you think we're headed, anyways? Well, I know the core of where we're headed, so I don't okay. really want to. Well, I don't want to give away. I'm too gonna much. guess. There you go. Uh, so because there's that uh, Dornish kid, I can't remember his name, but that he's the guy is... who won the tournament. Yeah, that's uh, hell. You would bring that up, wouldn't you? I just said his name the a minute name ago. Day tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the the one that asked for Rhaenyra's yeah uh, blessing or her, her thing. The yeah, um, I'll find it. Keep talking. Because Rhaenyra, she's got her earrings. Didn't they have like the Sun Spear of Dorne or something close to it? I didn't actually look at it. That. I'd have to go like back her and look. earrings looked like it was the sunburst. That's kind of the Dornish uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, you know, Viserys is going to die, right? Kind of what you said, JJ. Sure. And then I think we're going to get that fight. But uh, Renaris is young. We already know Hightower is ambitious. Yeah. Right? So he's not going to shy away from uh, at least trying to rule in her stead. And there's always Lord Valyrian to consider because, you know, the queen that never was has a axe to grind sure. with literally everyone. Yeah. So I wouldn't surprise me if Renaris gets, you know, shoved into Dorne. Mm. Uh, and we already know that the Dornish uh, are like some of the best martial 
fighters skilled in Westeros. So if you have uh, Damon in the Vale, and then you've got Renaris and Dorne, and then Hightower or uh, the Queen that never was in King's Landing, you could have a kind of three-way Mexican standoff that you see a little bit with the War of the Kings in the original series. Yeah. So the kid you're talking about is Kristen Cole. Kristen Cole. And both with a C. And I'll give you a little bit. So he is involved, but there's not. So the Dornish thing doesn't come into play as much as you might think, unless they change kind of who he is and what he becomes. So I'll give you a little hint. When they become adults, he eventually becomes Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Um, so, and then there's rumors that he and Rhaenyra have a thing, even though the Kingsguard's not supposed to have things. Um, <laughs> worked with the Lannisters. Yeah, worked great. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Kristen Cole, he becomes a big part of her life, but not – Dorn doesn't come into this. So at this time, Dorn Dorn's not actually part of the seven kingdoms. It's only six kingdoms technically right now that are part of the kingdom. So Dorn is its own thing, um, which is why they're so surprised that he's Dornish when it pops up. Because now I don't think it'll be part of this show, but Viserys does before he goes away, does try to marry Rhaenyra off to a Dornish prince in order to, connect those two families and bring Dorn into the the seven kingdoms. Um, it doesn't work out well <laughs> because Rhaenyra is a pain in the ass. And um, so are the Dornish. Yeah. They're, they're all kind of <laughs> they don't play nice. pleasant at this point, but yeah, so it's not, n- you can just say I'm wrong, JJ. That's fine. Yeah, it too. doesn't go there. I, well, that's the thing is I don't like I said, I don't want to ruin too much of it because again, I don't know. They may change, like I said, the 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 text that they're using, the book they're using, it's very vague, but there is a lot more about this particular piece of history in the Targaryens than there is the rest of the book. Like this part of the book takes up a big chunk in the middle, and then there's stuff at the in that bookend it that are very small and brief. Um, because this is the part where one of the quote unquote storytellers that they use in this book is actually alive and part of, and they base it on journals that come from a couple of people during this time. So it's very interesting content that you get from uh, fire and blood. So this part's a big piece of it because it's always the dance of dragons is always like, Ooh, tell me more about the Targaryen civil war where dragons were actually fighting dragons and not just the black fire rebellions later on. Another civil war don't have dragons. It's just men fighting wars. Whereas this one, this is where the dragons start to die because they're killing them faster than they can hatch them. And those that know how to hatch them are killed during this war. So the dragons themselves start to die off because those that can create them and help hatch them die off. And these dragons are fighting. And there's some cool midair battles that I'm looking forward to later on when we get into Rhaenyra's and, or Rhaenyra and her half-brother. And so it's it should be interesting. So... But that's where we're going is with this season, I think you're going to see the lead up to, and I don't know, they may, it may be premature to say Viserys dies at the end of this season because once he dies, the Civil War goes into full freaking go, right? I mean, it's everybody trying to take the throne and she's 
pronounced heir. So, and he never changes that in his life, even though he could and probably should because he has other kids. So it's, it's one of those things where, how do we get there? So it may just be the fight for who's going to be the, the new named heir based on new pieces of family and Rhaenyra being, and then the machinations behind that with Otto, with the Corliss, with Valerians and, and Rhaenys, her, her aunt and, and Damon. Good God, that guy's a pain in the ass too. And his wife's not long for the world. His, his bronze bitch, as he called her, which isn't hmm. racist, by the way, it's because they build armor and stuff out of bronze. That's why he called her that. There's been a, I guess a rumor online that that was a very racist statement. I'm like, it's not about that. It's, they wear very plain bronze armor in the veil. So that's why he says that. And she's not, not very attractive according to the book. So that's the other piece. He doesn't like her too much. All right. One final question. Okay. Who's the new Lord commander of the, of the watch who like currently. Yeah. Did, did that, did they mention that or can you just give me a sneak preview? Um, I think they showed him. Um, so Ryan Redwayne is Viserys is Lord Commander of the Kingsguard at the time. And then Harold Westerling becomes one later on. So I think we were in like 105 AC, 107 AC is what they were saying when we started, which would make Ryan Redwine. Okay. And I don't know which one of those characters. I'm assuming it was the old Scottish dude that was following Rhaenyra around a little bit, bald dude. Um, and then later, Harold Westerling becomes for about seven years, and then Kristen Cole, the guy we met at the list. So my guess is we might see later on when it does this time jump that's bound to happen. Kristen Cole is already head of the the, the King's Watch okay. or the King's Guard. Appreciate so, it. Yeah, of course, of course. All right. There it is. It was a longer episode. We had a lot to talk about. They'll probably be shorter moving forward, but we had a lot of history to cover, some things to talk about from the previous, but 38 minutes still isn't bad. Matson, tell everybody where they can find us if they're not watching us live. Hey, if you're not watching us live on, on Facebook or YouTube, you can check us out on wherever good podcasts can be found at Spotify, Ghana, Stitcher, search uh, What's Our Verdict Reviews. You can check us out at whatsourverdict.com as well to see what's upcoming. A ton of TV shows on the docket, especially we're doing She-Hulk, we're doing Andor, The Rings of Power, one I'm super excited about. Uh, obviously, we've got um, House of the Dragon going on, and then we'll sprinkle in some movies along the way. A lot of our movies will be more uh, older classics and such, that things we want to watch or uh, requested uh I don't even know if it's right to call it fan favorites if you're listening, Charles, but fan torture maybe is the right word there. Uh, and then TikTok, if you want to kind of see movie trivia, Tiger's talking, Alec eating weird food, making fun of his co-hosts, you name it, it's there. So check us out at What's Our Verdict on TikTok as well. Yeah, I think there's one coming of me having to dispose of a certain DVD at some point. Oh, you're gonna are you going to burn it? Yeah, I think so. Either that or I'm going to sneakily mail it back to alec just so that it's on his plate and not defiling my house anymore i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh display that thing where everybody who comes in can see it i'm pretty sure that's the last copy in arizona you can put it right above your uh right shoulder there yeah (laughs) i i barely i barely made it through the end of that i fell asleep i was sitting there going oh i'm dying this is terrible he literally did so yeah. yeah 
check us out there. You know, like we've always said, we love uh, when you comment on our videos. We love when you suggest things for us to watch. So definitely chime in. But we're looking forward to continuing to do this. Yeah. We appreciate you watching. We've watched a couple people come in and out of the lives. Thanks for the likes, the loves, comments. Uh, tune in next week when we hit up episode two of season one of House of the Dragon. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Cinemagic out.